0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of A shot glass of Recovery with your host, Julie, half of the dynamic duo that brings you two sober chicks. So yesterday we left off um, in discussing Step 12 at the beginning of page 110 in the 12 and 12. So if you didn't catch yesterday's podcast, I have recently read the 12 and 12 in the small Zoom women's meeting that my sponsee has put together and I hadn't read it in quite a long time and was just blown away by the goodness of step 12. So yesterday we read a little bit and today we're going to continue in part two of the forward journey series. Practically every AA member declares that no satisfaction has been deeper and no joy greater than in a 12th step job well done. To watch the eyes of men and women open with wonder as they move from darkness into light. To see their whole lives quickly fill with new purpose and meaning. To see families reassembled. To see the alcoholic outcast received back into his community in full citizenship. And above all, to watch these people awaken to the presence of a loving God in their lives. These things are the substance of what we receive as we carry AA's message to the next alcoholic. Nor is this the only kind of twelfth step work. We sit in AA meetings and listen, not only to receive something ourselves, but to give the reassurance and support which our presence can bring. If our turn comes to speak at a meeting, we again try to carry AA's message. Whether our audience is one or many, it is still 12th step work. This is why it's so important when we speak, we never know what the people who are listening to us speak here and what they take into their hearts. When I speak, whether it's groups or treatment centers or wherever, um, sometimes in the jail, I have often, uh, I think like many of us, you could have 100 people in a room, 99% of the people love your talk, and there's one person who looks like they want to hang you with their socks at the end of the meeting. And quite often when I am speaking to a group and there's a person in the group that I think hates my guts, that person will come up to me after or maybe even see me at a meeting months later or even a client that left treatment center years later and say that something that I said resonated with them. And I think this is why we cannot assume that we know exactly what other people have heard us say and what they have taken into their hearts. They may very well hate you when you're speaking. I do not deny that there are people out there that didn't like what I had to say and I heard about it. The really brave ones have come up to me after and talked to me about it. And I don't even know what to say at those, those points. I just go, okay. I mean, we're a mixed bag, right? But take heart to know that you will never actually know the full story of someone's experience of you, whether you're speaking or not. There are many opportunities, even for those of us who feel unable to speak at meetings or who are so situated that we cannot do much face-to-face 12-step work. 12-step work, by the way, is helping anybody. It doesn't mean you do a 12-step call. It means you're in service to someone. You can do 12-step work outside of the rooms. We can be the ones who take on the unspectacular but important tasks that make good twelfth step work possible, perhaps arranging for the coffee and cake after the meetings, where so many skeptical, suspicious newcomers have found confidence and comfort in the laughter and talk. This is the twelfth step work in the very best sense of the word. Freely ye have received, freely give is the core of this part of step 12. And I don't know if there's better 12-step work than hanging at the door and being a greeter than having an eagle eye for the newcomer that comes in the door by positioning yourself near the cookie table or the coffee part of the meeting. Because that is exactly where the newcomer that may walk into a room and be intimidated by a room may go. And this step always reminds me because I'm not really good at doing that. Sometimes I am, but most of the time I'm not. Keeping an eye open. Like, I happen to be a part of a very big group, and I've been told quite a few times by newcomers that they walk in the room and they're completely overwhelmed, and everybody knows everyone, and everyone's having conversations. And so, for me to keep my eye on that door, because those of us that have been in for a couple of 24 hours, You can really see who comes in the door and who's new. A, you've probably never seen them before. But B, there's just that look of a fresh baby bird looking for its nest. And I think we can do the best service by befriending those people. And again, even if they're mean to you, there's a woman at my home group now who is quite involved in service. And she did not like people coming up to her and asking her her name. Her response was, I thought this was an anonymous program. And so you don't know your impact on someone. Once you've done the work, it's out of your hands. It's not up to you to judge it or to even guess what has happened. We may often pass through 12th step experiences where we will seem to be temporarily off the beam. These will appear as big setbacks at the time, but will be seen later as stepping stones to better things. For example, we may set our hearts on getting a particular person sobered up, and after doing all we can for months, we see him relapse. Perhaps this will happen in a succession of cases, and we may be deeply discouraged as to our ability to carry AA's message. Or we may encounter the reverse situation, in which we are highly elated because we seem to have been successful. Here, the temptation is to become rather possessive of these newcomers. Perhaps we try to give them advice about our affairs, which we aren't really competent to give or ought not to give at all. Uh, We are in the program, we are not therapists. And often when working with um, a new sponsor... A newcomer may seek advice about relationships or therapy or those things. And the truth is we're not therapists. We're here to pass along what we've been so freely given, and that's what we do. Any decisions about whether to leave your church, whether to leave your husband, whether to leave your job is probably best on a decision-making level, not run by the sponsor. Um, On a feedback level, all we can really say as that sponsor with a newcomer, and as has been said to me, is first of all, don't make any big decisions unless you're in jeopardy for that first year. But more of a dialogue between two people, like the sponsor maybe will ask what the motivation is for the decision. Or do you have a therapist that you talk to about this? Or what does your closest friend say? It's more of just a sort of discernment figuring it out process. I know for me, a lot of the times the best work I do isn't really Anything that comes for me, anyways, it's listening to someone and helping them see that they already have the answer. Back to the book. Where were we? Um. Oh, it talks about how we're um, we give them advice that we shouldn't be giving. Then we are hurt and confused when the advice is rejected, or when it is accepted and brings still greater confusion. By a great deal of ardent 12-step work, we may sometimes carry the message to so many alcoholics that they place us in a position of trust. They make us, let us say, the group's chairman. Here again, we are presented with the temptation to overmanage things, and sometimes this results in rebuffs and other consequences which are hard to take. But in the longer run, we clearly realize that these are only the pains of growing up and nothing but good can come from them if we turn more and more to the entire 12 steps for the answers. To me, what this paragraph is saying is that when we were hurt, we are hurt or or offended because maybe someone didn't like our idea or an emotion at a business meeting isn't passed or we fail to do something correctly in our service positions in the group. Instead of looking at it as I'm so offended or these people are so ignorant, looking at it through the 12-step model first asks us, Where did we go wrong here? If I am disturbed, what is the character defect that's popping up for me? And with God's grace, I can work on it and learn to let it go. And if I've offended someone in the meantime, I owe them an amends. And then I carry on with my life. That's what it means about looking to the 12 steps for the answers. Now comes the biggest question yet. What about the practice of these principles in all our affairs? Can we love the whole pattern of living as eagerly as we do the small segment of it we discover when we try to help other alcoholics achieve sobriety? Can we bring the same spirit of love and tolerance into our sometimes deranged family lives that we bring to our AA group? I have a woman who um, had a medallion at my old home group, the Shepherd Group here in Toronto, and her son was Absolutely furious at her one year medallion because he saw all of us psychos celebrating this woman that had destroyed his life. And that sentence there. Is So important. If we're our best in AA meetings, it doesn't mean we don't feel our best or we don't feel most at home or most connected. But if we are our best and one way in the meetings and we are not that way outside of the meetings, the problem is us. The problem is not practicing the program properly. Can we have the same kind of confidence and faith in these people who have been infected and sometimes crippled by our own illness that we have in our sponsors? Can we actually carry the AA spirit into our daily work? Can we meet our newly recognized responsibilities to the world at large? And can we bring new purpose and devotion to the religion of our choice? can we find a new joy of living in trying to do something about all of these things you know it's easy to love the lovable it's easy to do a good job at a good at an easy job this is asking us to practice humility and love and brotherly love and service and surrender and all of those beautiful one-word spiritual principles of the 12 steps into our lives we so so many of us lived a lot of secrecy in our drunkenness and in our using and sobriety really asks us to harmonize our lives and not compartmentalize and that doesn't mean you keep your sobriety and your program anonymous in your life that's fine but as a person as a holistic person we everything you do leaks into other areas of your life like if you get used to discipline in the morning this is why i think military folks Whenever I would process them and bring them into treatment and be their buddy for the day when I used to do that role at the treatment center that I volunteered at, I always knew the military folks because you would know it in their dress. But the the suitcase was a dead giveaway. Unpacking the suitcase because you have to do luggage searches on the first day. Military folks are so organized, and so there is something about that level of discipline um, where you get up in the morning and you make your bed, for example. If you're disciplined in one aspect of your life, it blends and bleeds into other aspects of your life, and it's supposed to. So that's why one little act of discipline every day often yields huge rewards, Furthermore, how shall we come to terms with seeming failure or success? Can we now accept and adjust to either without either, without despair or pride? Can we accept poverty, sickness, loneliness and bereavement with bereavement, with courage and serenity? Can we steadfast Can we steadfastly content ourselves with the humbler yet sometimes more durable satisfactions when the brighter more glittering achievements are denied us this reminds me of something i heard one time which is such good advice for me going into leadership don't let criticism go to your heart and don't let praise go to your head The AA answer to these questions about living is yes, all of these things are possible. We know this because we see monotony, pain, and even calamity turned to good use by those who keep on trying to practice AA's 12 steps. And if these are the facts of life for the many alcoholics who have recovered in AA, they can become the facts of life for many more. Our program does not discriminate. Do the 12 steps, even if you're not in recovery. Any person anywhere can benefit from them. Of course, all AAs, even the best, fall far short of such achievements as a consistent thing. Without necessarily taking that first drink, we often get quite far off the beam. Our troubles begin sometimes with indifference. We are sober and happy in our AA work. Things go well at home and office. We naturally congratulate ourselves on what later proves to be a far too easy and superficial point of view. I feel like this is our world right now with COVID. Everything's been turned upside down. We temporarily cease to grow because we feel satisfied that there is no need for all of AA's 12 steps for us. doing fine on a few of them. Maybe we are doing fine on only two of them. The first step and that part of the 12th step where we carry the message. In AA slang, that blissful state is known as two-stepping and it can go on for years. Oh my god, that just made sense to me. I had no idea what two-stepping meant. I thought it meant like cheating the program, which I guess it does, but it's jumping from step one to step 12. Oh my god, it's so good. The lights came on, people. 10 years and the lights came on. This is the coolest thing about this program. It's just never ending with the gifts it gives to you. Stuff makes sense, stuff doesn't make sense. I mean, it's so good. The best intentioned of us can fall for the two step illusion. Now, I actually do disagree with this next statement. Sooner or later the pink cloud stage wears off and things go disappointingly dull. We begin to think that AA doesn't pay off after all. Then we become puzzled and discouraged. Okay, the reason I don't agree with that is I have never fallen off of the pink cloud. Even when I relapsed, and what I mean by that is I've never fallen in love, fallen out of love with AA and the fellowship and with the steps, and with the sober life. To me, that's what the pink cloud is. Now, maybe a pink cloud for someone else is when you're living in ignorance or naivete, but I think you don't have to fall off the pink cloud. What we feed grows. So if I keep stoking the fire of recovery then it'll keep going. It doesn't mean that I won't be disappointed or that I won't sometimes think I don't need to go back or that I don't like a person in the rooms or whatever. But it doesn't mean that I have to fall out of love. And that's, that's my take on that one anyways, in my humble opinion. Then perhaps life, as it has a way of doing, suddenly hands us a great big lump that we can't begin to swallow, let alone digest. We fail to get a worked-for promotion. We lose that good job. Maybe there are serious domestic or romantic difficulties. Or perhaps that boy we thought God was looking after becomes a military casualty. What then? Have we alcoholics in AA got, or can we get, the resources to meet these calamities which come to so many? These were problems of life which we could never face up to. Can we now, with the help of God as we understand him, handle them as well and as bravely as our non-alcoholic friends often do? Can we transform these calamities into assets Sources of growth and comfort to ourselves and those about us? Well, we surely have a chance if we switch from two-stepping to 12-stepping. If we are willing to receive that grace of God, which can sustain and strengthen us in any catastrophe. I'm going to stop there. Oh, so good. Give me my bookmark. More 12-step goodness. If you um, have any suggestions for topics or you want to write in, you need support, I always welcome, and so does Lisa, emails, direct messages, and in our Instagram or Twitter. So Instagram and Twitter, we are at 2soberchicks, the number 2soberchicks, as opposed to TWO. And our Gmail is 2soberchicksgmail.com. It's hump day, and I'm speaking at a group tonight via Zoom. That'll be a first. I hope you get to a meeting today. If you don't or you don't know where to get them online, look up your local intergr- intergroup. If you don't know what that is, go to aa.org, and there's a whole bunch of resources there to hook you right into our amazing fellowship. So I thank you for listening. I bless you with prayers of health and... And happiness and vitality, and if you're in a season of suffering and sorrow, I am sorry, and it will pass, and I'm with you. I also take prayer requests, by the way, secretly. If you want to email me a prayer request, I would be honored to pray for you. So, with that being said, I will see you tomorrow, April 16th, 2020.